0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Good morning, church. It's good to be here. If you want to open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, we are continuing on our series in 1 Corinthians week 18, and we're looking at verses 12 through 31 through the end of the chapter. So. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to the end of the chapter. Last night, um, the youth group had a, a babysitting night so parents could go out on a on a date. And so I just want to just thank Corey and Brooke and Deb and Jen. Thank you guys. There's like, I don't know, 30, 40 kids here and just... I heard it went really well, so praise the Lord. Thank you guys for doing it. And, uh, and all the youth group. The youth group helped out too, so thanks the youth group for um, helping watch the kids. It's a great blessing to be able to get on a date. All right, so we are continuing on our series in 1 Corinthians, and if you remember, a couple weeks ago, I took a bit of a break, uh, our family went on vacation, we went to Florida, and it was nice and sunny and warm, and then we come back here and It's not. But it's good to be back. So a couple weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and remember, as we look through the Scriptures, we have to remember Scriptures written in context. And it's so important for us to remember the context for which the Scripture is written so that it helps us to give greater understanding of what, what God is saying to us as His people. And so the first part of the chapter of chapter 12, we said three things about spiritual gifts. And so the first thing is this, that spiritual gifts, they're all about Jesus, all right? Jesus is Lord. Number two, it's all about grace, charismata. It's grace gifts that God bestows upon his people, upon his church. And thirdly, it's all about others. They are given, spiritual gifts are given for the common good. So those are the three things that we talked about. Now this week, we continue on in the chapter, and what we're going to do This week and next week is we are going to um, look at the the second part of chapter twelve this morning, and then next week we are going to look at the gifts as he lists them in chapter twelve, all together. Because he lists them in the middle of chapter twelve, he also lists more gifts at the end of chapter twelve. So next week we're going to take those and look at them all together. Now, in regards to prophecy and tongues, we're going to pause those until the end of chapter fourteen. Which he talks more almost exclusively about prophecy and tongues. So, we're going to talk about that at the end of chapter 14. We'll look at the other gifts um, next week. And so, this week, we continue on in, the, in chapter 12. And, and Paul makes some, some things abundantly clear about spiritual gifts and their importance and their use within the context of the church. Okay? So, I just want to open this, just just get, get our minds thinking. I was in college. And this was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe longer. And I went to visit my, my relatives, my aunt and uncle, who lived in Florida. And in Florida, in every pond, in every body of water, what, what's, what's in every body of water in Florida? Alligators. Got that right. Mosquitoes, too. And snakes and other poisonous things that try to kill you. But there's alligators in every pond, and so... I went to visit my aunt and uncle. They lived across the street from a pond, and every day there would be this. There is an alligator who lived in this pond, and the alligator would 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 come out of the water and kind of sun himself or whatever. And at the time, I wanted to get a picture of the alligator, and I wanted to get as close as I possibly could to get a good picture of the alligator. I don't know if I thought I was going to be on like National Geographic next month or whatever, but. It was my mission that week to get a close-up picture of the alligator. Well, I'm sitting there in in their screen porch, and I look out over the pond across the street, and lo and behold, the alligator is sitting on the bank of of the pond. And I thought to myself, this is a perfect opportunity, but i got to move quick because the way he's facing, I can kind of sneak around and get a good picture of him. So I quickly grabbed the camera, and I did not have time to grab my shoes. I just ran out barefoot with the camera okay? This is not not going anywhere good, is it? You you already already know this. This is not going to go well for me. So I'm running barefoot with my camera to get a close-up picture of an alligator in a pond in Florida. And I'm so fixed on this alligator and trying to get this picture that I I kind of sneak around and I'm, 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 I'm quiet and I'm kind of like in these bushes uh, waiting to, to jump out for my time to get the picture of the alligator. And as I'm sitting there in the bushes, I feel something on my foot. And I look down, and there on my foot, I've stepped on a red anthill, okay? Okay, right? The red ants in Florida are different from the ants that we have up here, all right? It's the difference between, like, a puppy and a full-grown Rottweiler, Okay? <laughs> There's a big difference. The, one, the ants up here, they don't bite you. The ants down there, they, they are out to, to take your life. And I look down, and all of a sudden, my foot is just in, covered in red ants, and they are everywhere, and they all begin to bite me at the same time. And so I run screaming like a little baby, crying, trying to get these ants off me. Of course, I missed the shot of the alligator, everything. But here's the point. One ant alone would not have really fazed me that much. It probably would have, but, you know, wouldn't have done the same, wouldn't have the same power and and potency of that whole anthill attacking me at the same time. Now, think about this. Paul is writing to a church that is experiencing unbelievable division in their body. Paul's in with a church who members are suing one another. They're getting together for communion, and some people are going ahead and just and and getting drunk and eating all that they want while other people go without food. There's this huge division economically between the rich and the poor, and so the poor have really nothing to bring, and and they're hoping to to be a part of this body, and the rich people are sitting there thinking to themselves, look, this is our church, we meet in our homes, we eat our food, so you kind of hang around, you can just, you know, kind of B-class church or whatever, and there's these huge divisions in the church, And so, when you think about the the way in which God has designed the mission of the church to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, which I appreciate Liz really bringing to the forefront for us this morning, the the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who Jesus Christ is in his life and his death and his resurrection, God's given us a church, a body together to bring this good news of Jesus Christ to the world when there's division, when there's separation, when there's, when there's fighting, it's as if one ant at a time is trying to bring this mission forward when God has called this entire anthill to move forward on mission. So Paul begins to, to, to talk about these things in this chapter and it's so important for us to remember that together God has called us on mission to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, not individually, not separately, not apart from one another. The impact is in the fact that we, together, as God's people, move forward with his mission and his purposes. Now, what happens, though, is in the church, sometimes we can think through things and ask the question, what's in it for me? Right? What's in it for me? If I go to this church... Will they have the programs that I like? Will they meet the needs of my children? Will they be able to do this for me, this for me? Look, it's not wrong to approach a church and ask questions about what's this church believe? Who are these people? Does our family fit in here? I mean, all those things are good questions to ask. But there is a supernatural reality of the risen Jesus Christ who calls a people, from rich and poor, white and black, from american and and all over the world, together as his people, to declare the glories and the majesty of who Jesus Christ is, and that is what God has called us to do together, and so just like an ant hill of a, of one ant maybe wouldn't be able to move me, an ant hill, sure enough, these little tiny minute ants would be able to move a man of 200 pounds screaming and crying, right? Okay, I was a little lighter back then, but you get what I'm saying. Now, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and begin reading in verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has baptized us. He has has plunged us into the body of who he is, into one family, to one body of Jesus Christ, fully submerged us, and all that he is, and he's given us his Holy Spirit, right? Our, our past has been forgiven, our, our eternity is secure, but for us today, it means that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, when we trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, he filled us, he, he brought us to life again and filled us with his Holy Spirit completely and utterly. It's an amazing exchange. I remember back in like third grade, right? Many of you may have had this experience. Third grade, someone would have a birthday. And on their birthday, their mom would come and bring cupcakes, right? They don't do that anymore because everyone's allergic to everything. So that's a bygone era. Kids today have no idea what that means, but... The kid would show up to school, it would be his birthday, and the mom would come and bring cake or cupcakes, and it was this awesome thing, right? To have a party back in the day, you just needed cupcakes. You didn't need gift bags and a bunch of other stuff, you just need cupcakes. So you had a party. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm talking about. So the mom would bring cupcakes, but it was, always, it was always intriguing to me because as a third grader, enjoying the cupcakes, which I sure did. Um, I always thought to myself, it's, it's odd how it's, it's like little Bobby's birthday and he's got to bring the gifts for his own party, right? I thought the, the point of having a birthday to some degree as a kid in your, in your own mind thinking, shouldn't the people be bringing cupcakes to me, right? Isn't that, isn't that how birthdays work? People bring gifts to you. You don't necessarily have to bring gifts for them. It's, it's like the reverse birthday kind of thing, right? I, it didn't make sense to me. I always, I always thought to myself, it would be better if, if mom keeps those cupcakes at home. When I get home, I get to have them all for myself, because <laughs> it's my birthday. It's not their birthday, right? But this is what Jesus Christ has done. Listen, he's, he's invited us to the party, and then he's given us gifts. We brought no, It's like we showed up to the party, and we didn't bring any gifts with us. Like, uh, Jesus, I didn't bring anything. I didn't have any, I wasn't quite sure. He's like, no problem. I'm going to give you cupcakes, cake, gift bags. I Man, I'm going to load it on you. That's what he's done with this Holy Spirit. We've showed up to the party. He's invited us in. And then he says, not only that, but I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit with unimaginable blessing of being able to know Jesus and fellowship with Jesus. Send us on mission, empower us, change our way, the way we think give us new desires, give us the ability to respond to God. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Anytime that in our lives that we we respond to God, this morning as we sing our songs and there's something that rises up within us, that's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We didn't bring that to the party, that's what God gave to us. Whenever we have an inclination or desire for God to read his word or to share the good news or to spend time in prayer, anything, any desire or inclination like that, that is the work of the Holy Spirit welling up within us, giving us those desires, changing the way we think, transforming us to be more like himself. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We showed up to the party, guys, and we got all the cupcakes we could ever handle. We brought nothing to the table. That's what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us who have called Jesus Christ our Savior and entrusted us with forgive, for the forgiveness of our sins. That is what he's done for each and every one of us. That is what Jesus Christ has done. It's his party. It's his victory. And we get salvation, redemption, Forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Now he moves on from there in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less. A part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense be be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. In this section, he begins, to, he begins to talk about identity and belonging. There is an identity and belonging for each one of us in the body of Christ. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, when we trusted him for the forgiveness of sins, believed the gospel, God fills his Holy Spirit, he baptizes us into one body and says, you belong. This is your family. This is who you are. The, deep of, the deepest parts of us have changed. We are now identified with Jesus Christ. When we hear stories about adoption, there's something in us that that wells up. There, there, there is an excitement. There is an intrigue. There is... Something that happens inside of us when we hear stories of adoption is especially as believers. And I believe that is the Holy Spirit saying, I had, you can identify with that. See, as believers, as we look in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have been adopted into God's family. That God has adopted each and every one of us. When we hear stories about adoption, there's something that says, look, that's who we are. We've been adopted. We've been brought into God's family. We were once separated from God and now we've been, brought in, we've been brought near to Him. He has become our Heavenly Father. That is what God has done. There was an Ann Landers column a long time ago. And this was written. Dear Ann Landers, it happened again today. My two sons and I were in a shopping mall and a total stranger felt the need to comment on the fact that my boys did, didn't look anything alike. Apparently, my six-year-old decided that it was time he explained the difference. I'm adopted, he said. That's when you have the same family, but not the same face. And I thought, isn't that a picture of the church? Different faces, different nationalities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different countries, different faiths same family. That is what God has done for us. And that is the moment we have believed Jesus, we have been brought into that family. That is what God has done for each one of us. You can see where these gifts, as he talks about these gifts, there's there's so much depth and richness here. We haven't started talking about, this is just the foundation as he talks about these gifts. Our desire here at Mercy Hill Church and really, the desire, I believe, of churches everywhere is that, that the God-given gifts that he has bestowed upon every believer, that we would see those come to full use for the glory of Jesus Christ. These gifts that he has bestowed upon us, that they would come to full use. That whatever measure God has poured into us, that we would be willing to pour that back out again Say, Jesus, for your glory, for your purposes, for your kingdom, that your great renown would be seen across the earth. Jesus, whatever you've given to me, I would, be, I would lay down and say, Jesus, use for, for whatever purposes you've called me to. Continue on. Verses 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. that the members may, be, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This speaks of value and importance of every person. That God has so composed the body that no matter the gift or the measure, God says you are valuable to this, to this body. You are important. Irreplaceable. A couple years ago, I, had, I was unable to breathe through my nose. Okay? It was like that my whole life. Never breathed through my nose. At night, I'd sleep, and Michelle's like, man, you snore. It's just kind of stuff, you know. And it, I'd wake up at night, and my tongue and my lips would be so dry they'd crack, and so every hour, hour and a half, I'd have to wake up, drink, a, drink like a ton of water. I have to sleep with, with cups of water next to my bed every single night because it was awful. But that's the only—that's the only thing I knew my whole life. Michelle said you should go to the doctor. I said, "What's it? No, I'm not having this huge surgery and it's just you know stuff." Well, she finally convinced me to go to the doctor, and went to the doctor. And it's like a Friday, and he says, look, this is, at some point in your life, you ran into a door, or a ball hit you in the nose, and the, the cartilage in your nose kind of grew over, and it's blocking the, the airway of your nose, and we can fix that in surgery next Wednesday. I'm like, are you telling me that I've lived my entire life unable to breathe through my nose, unable to sleep fully through the night, and we're going to fix this on Wednesday, Sure enough, no problem. Come on in, we'll fix it. And so, sure enough, went in, had, had the surgery. It was an absolutely awful experience, but I can breathe through my nose. Now, that has affected every area of my life. I never knew what it meant to be able to breathe through your nose. I can sleep through the night. I don't need... Glasses of water all around me when I sleep. My my tongue and lips aren't cracked every morning as I wake up. It's it's amazing. On an airplane, I'm not all dried out, and you know, just it's unbelievable. It's affected everything. I can breathe, so praise the Lord for that. All right, but here's the thing: my nose not working affected every area of my life, whether I realize it or not. I didn't know the depth to which it affected my life until it actually worked. Then I realized, wow, I was missing out on a lot. My nose is really important. Okay, I can breathe. This is amazing. In the same way with gifts, sometimes we don't realize the impact that using our gifts can have on the rest of the body. You may think, well, it's just all that. this is the way that it is. I mean, God hasn't really given me much. What's being able to breathe through the night? I mean, what's, you know, what's the big deal with that? He's breathed through your mouth. But he's given us the gifts. And it affects our use or lack of use. It affects the entire body. Absolutely. In every way. In verse 11, he says, who apportions to each one. Each one has a gift. Each one's been given a gift. How does God practically care and love his people? One of the ways is through you and I, using our gifts. How do do we practically know that God loves and cares for us? Through using the gifts that he's given us to care for one another. That is the that is how we receive care and love, one of the ways we receive care and love from the Lord. That is way that is what He is calling us to. That's what God has given us to do. And so often we can sit in church either for a long time and think, Well, I don't really have much to offer. My gifts are just kind of I mean, who knows what they are and and you know I don't really, I'm not, I can't sing on the worship team. I'm not preaching up front. I'm not doing stuff that everyone can see. But yet, God has so given you to this church, to his body, to be used for his glory, to transform and change people. Or the temptation is to think this look, I've been a part of churches in the past, I've been hurt. People have, have, said things to me or have ran me off or have stabbed me in the back and therefore my participation in church is going to be guarded and hedged because I don't want to have that happen again. That's a completely normal feeling to have. I want to encourage you. Don't hold back. God has given you gifts and abilities to be used for his glory, for the advancement of his kingdom across the earth even if we feel like we, we bring very little to the table. Verse 24 says, God gives greater honor to the parts that lack it. Who gives the greater honor? God gives the greater honor. God is the one who's honoring. God is, God is the one who sees, sees that, that gift that we think, you know what, there's no honor in this. It's not that big of a deal. It's, it's really, it's, we don't really need this gift. God says, I will be the one to give greater honor. That's God's promise to us. And lastly we see this we're gonna we're gonna skip down to verse thirty one it says this but earnestly desire the higher gifts or in a new living transition says, Earnest, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts all right i uh I assembled a home gym in my basement, which is now a big hangar and uh so, assembling this home gym is just this huge, massive undertaking. There's, they had all these bolts. And these bolts were, you know, three centimeters, three and a half centimeters, four centimeters, two and a half. I mean, just all these just sizes of bolts because this thing was this massive thing. And you, you assemble this whole thing. And then I got to the end of the assembly process and realized that the bolts at the end that I needed were actually like on step number two. And I'm on step number 48, and they were the different sizes; that wouldn't work. So I had to disassemble the thing to put the other, to get the right bolts and switch them out. I mean, is this huge pain in the butt. I mean, it was just awful. I cannot assemble anything. I'm like the worst person to, to put stuff together. It's, it always ends poorly for me. It caused me to, to, to become angry and to curse and to, to yell at people. and it it's, it's a bad experience for everybody all the way around. And usually it doesn't work at the end anyway. So it's just kind of like, hey, I put it together. It doesn't work. I'm so sorry. You just have to live with it. So, but here's the thing. He says, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What this tells me is that gifts in the church are not static but dynamic. Earnestly desire, meaning this. Look, if there's something lacking in the church, why don't we get together and pray and believe that God is going to answer that that prayer and begin to give gifts that are, that are needed in that body. The giftings that you have right now are not necessarily the giftings that you'll have for the rest of your life because as the, as the church changes, as the body changes, new needs arise and therefore earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And so therefore this, this, in this home gym that I had that looked like it was okay and all the pieces were there But it just didn't work quite like it should. God says, look, I can provide you with the right things. I can provide you with what is needed. Earnestly desire, pray, seek, ask, pursue. And I'll provide what's needed. Because God loves his church that much. That he would provide everything that we need to advance the mission of Jesus Christ that his name would be glorified in all the earth. God provides what is needed. Now, I want to just give an invitation for us to seek the Lord. We're going to begin to pass out the elements now. First, ask the Lord. There's, There's a way in which we as we serve as we do life together with people that our giftings become apparent through the way in which we serve through the blessing as as we through other people's perspectives and help and input into those things but we also want to ask the lord too lord that you would help me understand what is it that you've gifted me with that i could use every available resource through your Holy Spirit's empowerment to advance the mission of Jesus Christ. And just because we're in the same room doesn't mean we're all actively using our gifts. I want to encourage us. Our desire is to see a church vibrant that's full of the life of God. The Holy Spirit's at work in our midst. That the mission of Jesus Christ, that His great renown would be seen in all of our lives in this church. I want to encourage you as well. This would be a great point to say we've got life share groups, and one of the great things about life share groups is it gives us an opportunity to spend time with other believers. Maybe this is a place where we can discover what our giftings are. We also this church loves loves international students. We love international students. And because of that, we've got many families in this church who are embracing and caring for and blessing international students whether it's parties, Super Bowl parties or just helping to get rides to the grocery store or meals and meals during the week or different things like that where I think, man, that's an, also an area where we're exercising and serving in the areas we think, man, God, help grow us. We feel like God's called us to this area. We're asking that many more people get involved because we believe God is, God's grace is in that. I want to continue to press forward in that. I'm going to pray. And next week we will we'll dig deeper into what those gifts are, what those gifts look like, how we see them used in the church. And then we're going to pray that God would continue to, to see those expanded in our midst. Amen. So Lord Jesus, even as a communion elements are being passed around, God, we recognize that because your body was broken and your blood was poured out, that you have forgiven us, you have brought us to new life, and you've filled us with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray this morning that we would cooperate with your Spirit. God, in all that you've given us to do, all you've called us to be, God, I pray that you would help us to understand, God, what our gifts are, Lord, how we can serve and use them for your glory. God, not just here at church, but in all of our spheres of influence. God, I pray that you would give us the grace. In your name we pray. Amen.